listening to Pet Candy. This show is brought to you by Brave Paws Anxiety and Stress Support Chewables for Dogs, Thunderstorms, Vet Visits, Fireworks, Separation Anxiety, and more. Every day can be a Brave Paws day. Check out MyBravePaws.com. Welcome to our new show, Obsessed, a show where we talk about whatever it is we're currently obsessed with. I'm Caitlin Palmer. I'm Clay. And we're Obsessed. Obsessed. Hey, everybody. How's your week going? Um, We're not proud of ourselves because we just spent 30 minutes watching a cat play in a bag, and I have no regrets. And I was getting on the table like he knows he's not supposed to. Uh Uh-huh. There's always there's always a third party when we record, and it's Orville the clinic cat. He's iconic. Yeah, pretty much any background noise you hear is Orville. Pretty much. Doing something he's not supposed to. Like being on the table right like now. Like being on the table right now. So, Clay, you've got a story for me. Tell me. Do I? Yes. Yeah, I guess I do. Maybe you've heard about this. Okay. But the largest python ever found in Florida has just been found. <gasps> Ooh, how big and is it? It's set a new record. 18 feet long. And weighs over 200 pounds. Oh, my gosh. And that is straight muscle, too. Yeah, uh, it's a Burmese python, and it's the largest one ever seen in Florida. They've actually been using uh, male pythons to lure out these gargantuan female pythons to try to cut down on their population. Yeah, unfortunately... They um they can do some pretty bad damage. I guess they do eat dogs and cats, and that's not okay. So was it a wild python, or was it? Yeah, like no, pet? I, no, they're not. They're not like native to Florida. They right. were introduced in the seventies. Um, basically, people getting these as pets and then turning them loose. That's so and, sad. Well, they do really well in the Florida environment. I guess that's true. <laughs> so they've been doing a little too well, and oh, it's no. upsetting. <laughs> it's upsetting the balance. So, uh, you know, they'll typically eat birds, small mammals, as well as the occasional alligator or a pet dog, like you said. Oh. Yeah, this one, they they lured out with a a male python that they have attached a GPS locator to. And when they noticed that he just picked an area to chill in for a while, they're like, okay, well, we know what this is about. (laughs) Right. So. There's a big, fun woman back at it. They sweep in there and uh, they, they took out the snake. Yeah, they they are disproportionately capable of producing many offspring. Mm, poor yeah. babies. So they, they use the snacks. they use the male as bait to to draw out these large females and Wow. Yeah. That makes me feel some kind of way. Yeah, there's a picture of like all the the eggs that were inside of her. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see if there's a number. It doesn't look like there is. It's just dozens. No. Um, oh, never mind. It says 122 of these follicles, which, um, yeah, egg follicles. Whoa, that's so cool. Yeah. It looks like a like a pilar cyst when you pop it and it comes out in one piece. Gross. Love it. Uh, I guess we could put that on the Instagram, that picture. Yeah, that'd be good. But uh, alongside the record 122 egg follicles, <laughs> uh, they also found in the snake's digestive tract uh, bits of fur, clumps of dissolved bone, a chunk of a hoof. A hoof? A hoof. Do uh, they know what kind of hoof? Yeah, they, they believe it was uh, once attached to an adult white-tailed deer. Holy <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. But my topic um, had me revisit some childhood trauma. 
And oh, we're doing the chupacabra again? <laughs> yeah, chupacabra part two. Chupacabra. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, since I can't do my original idea, which was chupacabra, I'm going to do something a little different. So, as a child, I was obsessed with kangaroos. So, naturally, when I found a movie at the rental place, yes, that's a real thing. Stranger Things didn't make that up. <laughs> yeah, they did used to They exist. really did. You would go in, you'd pick a movie. It was like they'd have the cover, and then they'd have the actual movie behind it. And it was in, like, the cassette tape with the, like, logo of whatever the movie place was. <laughs> so, Stranger Things didn't make that up. That's a real thing. And us old people remember. So, found a movie with a kangaroo on the cover... I begged my mom to rent it. I think we ended up keeping it way longer than we were supposed to because I'd watch it over and over and over again. It was no Jungle Book, but it was still one of my favorite movies. This movie was called Dot and the Kangaroo. It's a children's movie based on a book of the same name by Ethel C. Pedley. It's about a little girl named Dot who gets lost in the Australian outback and is found by a red kangaroo. It should be noted that this fun 70s film is unusual and that the backgrounds are all live action, but the characters and the animals are animated. So it's like a live action background, like a real tree, real river, whatever, but the characters, so then there's like a little animated kangaroo and a little girl. So it's it's very different. It's unusual in that sense. Uh, the kangaroo lost her joey and takes Dot into her pouch and helps her find her way home. Along the way, Dot and the kangaroo meet some crazy looking animals. They enjoy several jaunty songs, but things change when they get to a water hole. The kangaroo wants Dot to always be quiet when by the watering hole. There's a terrible storm and they take shelter in a cave that's been abandoned because humans dare not go there. They were afraid of the bunyip. The story is told through cave paintings that come to life and reenact the story. The tribesmen fishing by the billabong when suddenly there's a monstrous roar and a large being with a long neck covered in fur rises from the water. The ensuing song scared me so badly <laughs> as a child. So here's the lyrics, and they're very simple, but y'all just, y'all just gotta listen to it. Google the bunyip song, Dot and the Kangaroo. The bunyip is very bad. The bunyip is very bold. And let me tell you that the bunyip is now about a thousand years old. So you'd better come home quickly and you'd better hide very soon or the bunyip's going to get you in the bunyip moon. The bunyip's partly animal. The bunyip's partly bird. The bunyip makes the strangest sound that you've ever heard. But the occult of the abyss was real and I couldn't stop thinking about it. My brother would sing it to me and then get in trouble for scaring me, even though I begged him to sing it to me. <laughs> so I'm promising that I wouldn't get scared. This is a core childhood memory unlocked. <laughs> so. Yeah, I remember you telling me about this particular thing, how we'd sing the song to you. Yes. And when you talked about kangaroos, I was like, oh, yes, the bunyip. Yes, you knew. <laughs> I knew, yeah, you I knew, knew where you were going as soon as you, you started. You did, you did. And I've been trying. I've, I rewatched Dot and the Kangaroo, and let me just say, it totally destroyed me again as a human being. Dot and the kangaroo. Oh, God. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. Here's something fascinating I realized while taping this podcast. There are compelling and downright mysterious medical cases that happen every day in veterinary hospitals all across the country. And most of the time, the unsung heroes that help these animals 
never get a chance to talk about them, and you never hear their stories. Until now. This podcast, Vet Mysteries with Dr. Courtney, takes a deep dive into some of the strangest medical cases, and we meet the incredible veterinary teams that help to save these pets' lives. If you like a little bit of mystery, a ton of intrigue, and love pet health like I do, this podcast is for you. I'm Dr. Courtney, and you can subscribe and listen to this podcast for free on Vet Candy Radio or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Fun fact, if you Google images of Dot and the Kangaroo, you get some weird art. So uh, just take that as you will and be careful when you Google anything. (laughs) Please turn your safe search on. Please turn your safe search on. So we all know Australia is infamous for having all kinds of critters who would like nothing better than to eat you. Uh, Some say that's where Satan keeps his pets. (laughs) Now, Australia, once known as New South Wales, was originally planned as a penal colony. So when you were bad and you you weren't acceptable to society anymore, they were just like, here, just go to that little island over there. (laughs) Right. If you survive, great. Yeah, there's actually a large amount of uh, Australia's shoreline is just kind of like sheer rock cliff. Right. Well, they didn't want you to get back out. (laughs) You're in Australia for a reason, bro. So, I got a lot of my information from an awesome documentary by Swamp Dweller. Um, Australia's, Swamp Dweller. I love Swamp Dweller. He's my favorite. So, it's it's called Australia's Most Feared Cryptid, the Bunyip. You should definitely go check it out. Of it's course, only scary because all the things that aren't cryptids are animals we know about that just live in Australia. Oh, yeah. No, Australia has just some straight up. Yeah. Yeah, the like, bunyip's more than likely true just based on the things that it's surrounded by. Exactly. And we're <laughs> we're going to get, I mean, spoiler alert, the platypus is a real animal. The That's bunyip true. is not that far-fetched. And it actually, it's a true cryptid because technically a cryptid is an animal or creature that could exist, but we don't really know if it exists. Now, the bunyip does potentially have some proof, maybe. Maybe. So we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get there, Clay. God. So, according to Aboriginal folklore, there's a creature lurking in the swamps, bogs, and billabongs. Which fun fact: a billabong is a pond in Southeast <laughs> Australia, just waiting to gobble up any livestock, women, or children who come too close to the water's edge. Other names are, and I apologize, I'm probably going to butcher these names. Other names for the same creature are Tambunton, Melianawak, Megalwak, Katanapai, Kaitan Party, and Wowie, not Yowie, but they are sometimes mistaken for one another. Yowie is kind of like the Australian Bigfoot. Okay. But they're they're not like they're similar. Some people kind of use the terms interchangeably, but technically the bunyip is a separate creature. I could make a joke right now, but I won't. I know. I, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Fellow nerds, you know. You know. You're in on this. There are various descriptions of this creature. They're countless, and they're very, very varying. Um, most sources agree it's an amphibian-like with a round head, long neck, body like a hippopotamus, manatee, or an ox. Some say it has feathers. Some say it's as big as a horse or as small as a dog. Some sources say it has apricot eyes. When I think apricot eyes, I think kind of like dead fish eyes. Like that just kind of milky, creamy. Hmm. See, you know what I'm picturing? is actually like really small irises uh, that tend to glow in the dark, that like pale orange. Ooh, I like that too. 
Some describe it as a cross between a seal or a hippo, but others say it's more reptilian with a dog-like face. Kind of sounds like a seal, question mark. Does Australia have seals? Well, we're we're getting there. (laughs) We're getting there. Uh, But the most popular, (laughs) according to Google, and this is the only place I found it was one place, so I'm not really sure if it's the most popular, but they say it looks like a giant starfish. So these are all very, very different things. But the earliest sightings say it had countless eyes, sharp claws, and was hella fast. Some say it has one large eye on its head. This may come back later. Oh, like a catabal pass? Mm Mm-hmm. And a mouth on its stomach. The name does translate, the name Bunyip, does translate to devil or evil spirit, Although later translations are more like an imposter or a pretender. I remember the first time I ever heard of a bunyip was in the D&D bestiary. Yes. Uh, It's a pretty, I guess, well-known entry in there. But I was like, that's a stupid name. And then I looked at the picture and I was like, that's a stupid monster. Oh. (laughs) it pretty much just looked like a pissed off manatee. Yeah. Well, okay, if that had been my first experience with the bunion. Right, of course. But I'm going to make you watch this video because it creeped me out. It's it's really good. Did it do the out. same thing that, like, the old Rankin and Bass Hobbit did with, like, the birds and the tree song or whatever, where the, the goblins are hunting down the hobbits? They talk about burning the trees. It's so much worse than that, Clay. Like, Dot and the kangaroo are in an abandoned cave and the kangaroo straight up tells her like, no, no, like people don't come here anymore. Be very quiet. And she's like, but why? And the kangaroo's like, shut the f*** up. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, there's, there's cave paintings and the, you know, like they're like the stylized kind of stick people. They come to life and like they start dancing. Right. So like they're telling the story. Like they're telling the story and like the, Bunyip rises out of the water, and it's very simple. But as a, I'll just have to show you just so much, so much emotional damage. <laughs> but some sources say this creature is more bipedal, so standing up on two legs, more of a human appearance. Some even describe it as a half person, half frog with reeds for hair, which I think sounds kind of cute. Well, that sounds actually like a Japanese creature called the Kappa. Oh, I know the Kappa. Yeah, they, they kind of like got like the frog features. They sometimes yeah. have a shell on their back, like a beak for a mouth. Yes. Love yeah. it. They are horrendous. No. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> like, I... Not to look at, but like just what they do in the lore. Like they're just like, they just like scuttle into uh-huh. like in large groups into like a village and just steal children and murder people in their beds and stuff. Oh, that sounds right. That's pretty on par. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, there's many different variations of this cryptid, They're, and they range vastly. One factor to explain all the differences could be just the different tribes. Before white people settled, there were over 250 different That was languages. England's fault. That ain't on us this time. Yeah, no, well, we're going to talk about some settlers. But there were over 250 different languages. So, I mean, obviously, there's going to be some issues with translation among that many languages, you know. Which is probably why it has so many names, similar to the Wendigo, how it had so many names. So many names. So, an author named Robert Holden identified nine regional variations of the Bunyip across Aboriginal Australia. Like many monsters, your boy has a taste for human flesh, especially that of women and <laughs> the, children. The tastiest flesh. The tastiest flesh of women and children. 
and announced this to the world with a booming and roaring sound. Thus, the stay the away from the water. (laughs) This particular detail stays pretty constant. It's loud. It makes huge noises. You know it's there. And there's a lot of different theories as to why this is. Could it be our original fear of, of storms, of big noises? I mean, there's all kinds of things it could be. It's often described with long, wicked claws, but would typically kill its prey by hugging it to death. Oh. Yeah, so it would, like, just eat you right away. It would kind of constrict, like that python. Even though the bunyip was considered a malign creature, killing one was taboo. There was an escape prisoner. He spent a lot of time with the aboriginal people and claims to have had many encounters. He considered killing a bunyip and using the skeleton and hide as proof. It would probably have also made him a very rich man, but decided against it. Mainly because that would piss off his gracious hosts and they would likely kill him for bringing the wrath of the bunyip down on their people. So apparently if you hurt or kill a bunyip, you'll die a painful death. Die a violent death? Die a violent death. So to them, it was either an evil spirit or a vengeful one sent to punish the wicked. Some say the bunyip is supernatural and can cause illness. Things like dizziness and crippling, so like not being able to walk, having trouble with your legs. It can also change the water level uh, and it can hypnotize you into becoming its slave. According to Thought Catalog, great website, definitely check that out. Legend says that a man named Bunyip once broke the rainbow serpent's greatest law by eating his totem animal. After that, he was banished and transformed into an evil spirit that lured tribesmen and their animals into the water to eat. And would occasionally give you polio. Yeah, and would occasionally give you polio, as one does. But... (laughs) I thought that was that was kind of cool. Um, we'll be right back with more pet candy. I love my fur babies so much, but when they're stressed out, it makes me stressed out. Mine hate loud noises like thunderstorms and fireworks, and sometimes they just don't want to be left home alone. To help keep your dogs calm in moments of stress, use Brave Paws Anxiety and Stress Support Chewables for dogs. These plant-based chewables promote calm behavior with natural ingredients that have been clinically studied. Did I mention they're fast-acting and non-drowsy? I especially love that the natural ingredients are sustainably sourced. How cool is that? Want to learn more? Check out mybravepaws.com. Your dog will be happy you did. So a little bit about totem animals. So your totem animal, according to American Indian belief, it's so it's like your guiding spirit. So if your totem animal is a wolf, you must never eat a wolf, which I wouldn't eat a wolf anyway. Yeah, but what if my totem animal was like a cow? We don't talk about eating our totem animals. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Bruno. You don't talk about it, you know. Like I said, according to, <laughs> to uh, legend says that the man named Bunyip once broke the rainbow serpent's greatest law, eating his totem animal, so big no-no. And after that, he was banished and transformed into an evil spirit who would lure tribesmen and their animals to a watery grave. 
So the bitten marsh bird, I think we talked about it before. It's a little bird, makes a big noise. Kind of sounds scary and heckin' awful. Don't <laughs> care for that. So Charles Finner has a quote that I really enjoyed. The bunyip is actually the result of non-coastal aboriginals encountering the seals that made their way inland via the Murray of Darling Rivers. Unusual proportions could be attributed to the exaggerations and distortion through repeated retellings of the encounters, kind of like the telephone game. So, like, I saw I saw Bunyip, and it was this big. Well, I saw Bunyip, and it was even bigger. And, yeah, you know. I mean, well, the description you talked about earlier being, like, having, like, a hippo body or something. These, like, sort of nondescript, blubbery, round uh, sure. shapes. Yeah, that, that fits a seal pretty and good. And some of these, like, a dog face and a long neck. Well, yeah, a, a yeah. sea lion can, or a seal. Could. They can make quite a noise. They do make a, quite a noise. And they're, they're uncommon, but they are, you do see them sometimes. Yeah. But if it's not a common thing, you've never seen it before, you don't know how to describe it, I mean, you're going to come up with some crazy proportions. You know? Yeah. But the aboriginals were not stupid. Get her done! Living off of the land and the ability to identify dangerous animals is part of why they were successfully thriving for more than 30,000 years before the invasion of, you guessed it, white people. Get her done! I'm going to get like a, a soundboard. Yes. Okay. Uh, side note, Dr. Jill, soundboard. <laughs> for white people. For white people. Get her done. I'm going to take that uh, the part in the opening for Death Note that just sounds like he's screaming white people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. It's, it's just the result of us hearing an English word that sounds like something. Right. Or a, a Japanese word that sounds like an English word. <laughs> but it sounds like he's like, white people. White people. So most of our documented information about this cryptid started in the 1800s, which also coincides with the colonization, in quotes. Now, it needs to be mentioned that indigenous Australians are known to have coexisted with creatures that are now extinct. One example is the, I'm going to butcher this, I'm so sorry, Zygometris trilobus, which was basically a bull-sized wombat. A bull-sized wombat? Yeah, yeah, essentially. Like a prehistoric, huge, bull-sized wombat. Holy shit. Fun fact, wombats poop squares. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, it's one of my I favorite I still don't things. believe it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things that the Dr. Shins taught me, my Bondi vet friends. They're amazing. But it's possible that stories of these creatures survived over the generations. And even though maybe the animals died out, the, the story stayed alive. Yeah. In 1818, New South Wales, there was an accidental discovery by Hamilton human James Meehan. They came across some unusual bones. They said that the scattered bones looked for all the world like a hippopotamus or a manatee, but insisted they were something else. For some dumbass reason, they did not bring the remains home with them. and Instead, I guess they just left them. I'm like, damn, those are cool bones. Yeah, those are really cool. Anyway, we should get home. My mom said we got to be back <laughs> yeah. before it gets dark. Hey, Hume, ask your mom if you can stay over. No, no, no. You ask her. She'll say yes. Yeah, she'll say yes to you. But word got out that there may have been bones of a bunyip. So PESA, which is the Philosophy of Education Society of Australasia, offered to pay the expenses for Hamilton to go back and retrieve the skeleton for further investigation. But he was unable to because of failing health. But I'm thinking, what about James? Why couldn't James go get it? Yeah, James. Yeah, James. 
So, Go bring back indisputable proof of the bunyip. Right. Yeah, like you ruined this for a lot of people, James. How does that asshole. make you feel? You suck. Nobody talk to James. <laughs> I don't think that'll be hard. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I would be like 200 years old by this right? point. So. <laughs> Nobody leave out offerings for James. So, so unfortunately, I'm gonna I'm gonna bust out the Ouija board and give him a piece of my mind. No, don't do that. Um, So, unfortunately, this discovery faded to legend. But in 1846, there was a very unusual skull that was found in the Murumbiji River, briefly displayed as a bunyip skull. But it was later determined to be a malformed foal or a calf. It was a cycloptic uh, skull. Yeah. The jaw was deformed. It did, I mean, if you didn't know what it was, you'd see that and go, that's a monster skull. Right, yeah. But it was just a little bit. Well, kind of like calf. elephant skulls are probably oh, where gosh. we got the idea of cyclops existing. Because if you Google an elephant skull... It looks like there should be one giant eye that goes in the middle of it. It really, truly does. Well, you think about it, your nose is all cartilage. Yeah. And I guess muscle. There, there are a lot of nose, yeah. Yeah. So There's a lot I, of nose on an elephant. Right, right. Have you ever, oh, I don't know, do boys' bathrooms have the, well, I guess they, okay, this is stupid. I was going to ask Clay if boys' bathrooms have the things where you can hang your purse up. But at least in South Mississippi, I doubt that they do. But it always looked to me like an elephant skull. But I digress. No, no, I don't think they did have those. I I guess I'd have to check again. Next time, okay, next time I see one, I'm going to take a picture and send it to you. Okay. Because it really, like the hook that you put your purse up on or whatever. Yeah. Well, they don't have those, but they do have these like um, hoops that mm-hmm. attach to the, the wall that you can put your footballs in. And, oh, neato. Yeah, yeah, they don't have you. that in the girls' bathroom. Yeah. They just give us tampons. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> so there is the possibility that the bunyip is maybe rooted in truth. The Chasilian bunyip. Long ago, they say a bunyip allegedly. was allegedly a bunyip was slain by Aboriginal people. The outline of the dead beast was traced in the turf, and you can look up pictures of this. It's called the Chasilian bunyip. It kind of just looks like a little simple rar dinosaur. Like it has like a long, like it has a long deck and two little legs and you wouldn't see, but but it's huge. So the people continued every year, they would re-outline it for several years to keep it from fading away. Drawings of the outline put the creature at approximately 28 feet from the tip of his nose to the tip of his tail. So it was huge. Now, you have to think, though, if they're tracing it every year, that line's probably going to get a little thicker every time. Maybe, but But I mean, not that. You know what I mean? Like, this was still whatever they traced was huge. Right. So, drawings of the outline, like I said, put it to 28 feet, tip to tip. The outline was preserved for quite a while, but eventually, guess who came along and colonized, Clay? Um, the UK. Yes, correct. <laughs> so good. The outline was fenced off for a short while. So there was like the tiniest endeavor to <laughs> They're save like, this that. is weird. Can we make money off of this? No. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Look, this this is this is an amazing part of these people's culture. But you know what? <laughs> so anyway, you know what'd be good here? A continent sized prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's put a shopping mall here where the bunyip used to be. But no, they it actually became um some grazing land for sheep. So now it's lost forever. At least there were some sheep. I do like sheep. We love a sheep. Could it be a diprotodon? 
It's related to the marsupial lion, which looks an awful lot like a bunyip to me. A marsupial lion? Yeah, it's called a marsupial lion. Um, it kind of looks like a big seal monster. They're really, really cool. So, I mean, it's possible that it's a throwback to prehistoric time. Just because we say something's extinct doesn't mean there's not one hiding. It's it's unlikely, so but I have it's to Google an image oh of a marsupial gosh. lion. You've got to look up the marsupial lion. Hold on, my We're brain is running a, wild. Gonna do a pause. So it's like a rat cat. Yeah, it looks like a rat cat. It's pretty cool. I like him. I would have one. I don't think I can though. I think they're all dead. <laughs> oh no. No. And Australia has some weird animals. <laughs> they really do. There's a beast mentioned in Brazil known as the Mapinigari which is a giant bipedal sloth-like animal that lives by water holes. Ah, now see, um, not too long ago, there was uh, a, giant sloth. a giant sloth, yeah. There definitely was. And which, when you think about the long claws, it's kind of lumbery. It's got kind of a big body. Yeah, although Brazil is quite a distance from Australia. Some uh, might would even say on the other side of the world, <laughs> but... Some would say. Some would say. But the absence of evidence does not necessarily mean evidence of absence. Australia is huge. It's 4.7 million square miles. Yeah, you kind of forget how big Australia is. Australia is vast. It's that same like flat map thing. Right. And then you look at it on the globe and you're like, God dang. Right. Like Australia is pretty big. Yeah, Australia is something. Really empty. There's there's not a lot of human presence in Australia. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of humans there, obviously, but right. like a lot of that there's land still is a still lot wilderness. Of wood, exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's still a lot of uncharted territory. Because it is difficult to live in Australia. It is. It is. Australian listeners, we love you. What's it like? I think Australia sounds magical. Yeah. And hot. <laughs> well, I, I, maybe magical, I guess. When I think magical, I think New Zealand. Yeah, that's true. New Zealand. It's to me, it's the kangaroos. I love kangaroos. Yeah, kangaroos are cool, but apparently cool. Australians really hate those dudes. Well, you know, apparently over there, they're they're like rats are here. They're just kind of vermin. Yeah, uh, but I also love rats. Yeah, I guess that's fair too. Love. I mean, rat. we we had our little encounter with the kangaroos, and they were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was so cool. They mainly just wanted treats, and I get it. They did, but I got to pet them. That's another story. So, I mean, but think about it. I just like how looking how their hands and stuff work. Yeah, they have little hands. They're so cool. So, I mean, the platypus is a real thing. Yeah. In uh, fact, God's mistake, I call it. No. <laughs> I, I like to imagine it's like <laughs> putting all these animals together. It's like, okay, and this will have like this special thing. But he's like, okay, this will have this special thing. And this will have this special thing. You know, like for it to fit in its ecosystem. Like, oh, well, these beavers, I'll give them these tails and like teeth that are going to help them chew down stuff and make these homes out of. And then it was just like, I got all these spare parts left. Right. I was like, ah, I'll make a platypus. And it's just, blah. And yeah. it's just like, there it is. It's like, took a handful of sprinkles and threw it at something. Right. Uh, and then, and then he looked over and he's like, oh no, I had a, like a basic body type left. I could have yeah. put some stuff on. It's like, well, I guess that's the manatee then. Right. Oh, <laughs> the manatee. And the dugong is like an even more simplified manatee. <laughs> But yeah, the platypus is real. In fact, when a taxidermied specimen was sent to England, they thought it was a hoax. So this is even oh, back then. Yeah, so this is even no, back I can, when I can people believe believed that. a monkey and a fish 
sewn yeah. together was a mermaid, they were like, no, this is I mean, a, a platypus is a mammal that lays eggs. Exactly. That's what and that, has a poison stinger. And that the, was also in my notes. And the, you know, the bill of a duck and the tail of a beaver. And it's just like, this is ridiculous. No, yeah, no, one, this is a straight up cryptid, this platypus. <laughs> yeah, you're thing. lying to me. Oh. Now, so we've talked about how scary and big and mean the bunyip is. But there's a few, and there's only a few descriptions that say the bunyip is a timid, plant-eating creature that shies away from humans. The bunyip of Berkeley Creek is a beloved children's story, and a bronze statue of the whimsical creature smiles his silly smile with his bandana bag thrown over his shoulder outside of the library in Melbourne, Australia. Now, that statue they're talking about has like a little duck bill or like kind a bird of. beak sort like of thing. Like he's got like a, a elongated lips. I was going to say, because I think I, I saw that. That actually looks a lot like a kappa we were talking about earlier, the it Japanese does. creature. It's, I think he's cute. But in my opinion, the, they knew the bunyip was scary AF. And since it's <laughs> possibly extinct anyway, why scare the children? No, terrify the children. <laughs> they must know fear. We must teach our children fear. <laughs> This is why they're so disrespectful with their video games. How can we expect any other animals to go extinct if our children aren't filled with feet? Oh, no. Kill the beast. <laughs> Poor children. But for real, though, everybody, can we just talk about how great Brave Paws is? We got a free sample. We did. We're going to be completely transparent with you. We did. We got some free stuff, and it works. Yeah, I was a little surprised. Like, I'm not going to lie. You get this stuff, and it's... Doesn't really seem like a typical pet treat, right? Right. But we gave it to our pets and they gobbled them right up. They do. <laughs> they do. And it's nice because it's like you give so many pills per pound. So you don't have to buy like three different sizes. You know, our little guy gets a half of one. Our big one gets three. Right. Yeah. And he loves it. He takes them like a treat. Now being plant-based, you're kind of like, ooh, are they going to like it? Right. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's like, it's dry and sort of leafy. And it, like I said, it just doesn't, normally when you get a pet treat, it's kind of like moist and squishy. Mm-hmm. And, but you, you know, know, they don't usually eat those, I found. Well, that's because ours are extremely picky, which is why it was so surprising they ate these. Exactly. All, it, and we we got we got more than one dog. We're gonna be for real with y'all. But uh they eat it and they eat it well. Yeah, and it worked. It does. We live in the deep south, aka Satan's armpit, and it storms and rains at least once a week. Like at least once a week we're under some kind of watch. Like a hurricane watch, that's a Tuesday. And our dogs are weenies, so when it starts like with the lightning and the rain and everything, mm-hmm. they freak out. So they do. They do. We, we really put these to the test. Right. And I did not think that they would work like they did. Exactly. As well as they do. And this is a non-prescription. You don't have to go to the vet and get it. It's not going to knock them out. It's not a sedative. It's just a calming support. And it does. We had lightning hit very close to our Within house. a mile. It rattled yeah. our windows. It was scary. I was even scared. I love bad weather. And we gave everybody their happy pills and <laughs> they put their brave paws on and everybody laid down and went to sleep and it was fun. Yeah. So like we don't have to do this part of the commercial, right? No. Like we've done the ad read and we've goofed around, but like this is, we wouldn't lie to you. We would we at would least not. not record this part if, exactly. if it didn't work and we didn't actually Exactly. And we're both in the animal industry and we have been for years and years. So we would not tell you about a product if we did not believe in it ourselves. Yeah, it absolutely worked for us. So maybe it'll work for you. Go check it out. 
mybravepaws.com. Go put your brave paws on. Brave Paws. Give your pet the courage they need to weather the storm. So that's the bunyip. Now, I feel like if I had researched this prior to being an impressionable young child, (laughs) I would think he's cute because I kind of think he's cute. But if that movie scared me so bad. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different depictions of the bunyip and they're all pretty different. Wildly different. Yeah, wildly different, both in like size and body structure and that whole thing. But if you remember, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it in the um, Kelpie episode, mm-hmm. the Bunyip, just briefly. Yeah. Talking about, uh, you know, like these waterborne right. creatures. And it, it might be because of the poor descriptions, but I'd also heard that Bunyips could shapeshift. Because everything can shapeshift. Everything can shapeshift. Uh, but people think, some people think that the Bunyip is actually a Kelpie. Because of the description of like the long neck and having sort of a bull or horse-like body. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of art, you often see them draped with, you know... Water grass, yeah. which, you know, is just kind of a thing for being a little pond-based cryptid. You can't help but draw a little couple conclusions to a Kelpie. That's true. I mean, watery grave, eating you and all that stuff. As one does. As one does, yeah. <laughs> so before we go, we do need to talk to you listeners about a little contest that we've been entered into. And it would mean the absolute world to us if you would go and vote for us. So we have been entered into the podcast awards, the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Yay. And we would love if you would go vote for us. That would mean so much. That would, (laughs) um, let's manifest. um, Please, please. We are going to be so successful with this podcast and all of our endeavors. And one day, maybe we'll even do live shows. It's manifested. It's in the universe now. Okay, well, my my thoughts on this are a little bit uh, in opposition to your oh. manifesto there. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say there's no way we're going to win this thing. Wow. Uh, but <laughs> but I, would like, all kinds. I would like to see a numerical value of your love for us. That would be great. Yeah, if you could just validate us with numbers, that'd be cool. Right. They'd be like, well, you didn't win. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Let me see my numbers. Yeah, but how many people liked me? Right. How many people cared? Yeah. So if you care about us. (laughs) At all. At all. If you ever cared about us. Do you even? It's been a long, (laughs) long day. It's been a long week. Oh, no. We're only two days in. (laughs) (laughs) God, it's only Tuesday. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. Pet Candy Radio delivers world-class content with engaging voices and inspirational messages curated by a network of top influencers and experts. Stream 24-7 at MyPetCandy.com. If you have a request of what you would like us to talk about next time, Clay, where can they send us requests at again? Uh, obsessed with the Palmers at gmail.com. And you should like and follow us on Instagram at Obsessed with the Palmers. And we've got some more giveaways coming up. We've got some brave paws, we've got some socks, we've got some coffee cups. So uh hang in there. Probably more keychains that are turds. Yes, farting turd keychains fight to win. Well, everybody, we love you and we're so proud of you for anything that you've done this week. Can I say something encouraging? Uh, something encouraging. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.
Candy, it's Pet Candy Radio. Pet Candy Radio.